Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and as always, I am joined by Mr. K.C. Clapp. Good day to you, Alex, and all of you in the ether. Good morning, Case. How's it going? It's going good. Can, yeah. can I talk about what happened right before you got here? You can. Well, I, I mean, honestly, the question is really, can you? Oh, well, let me explain to everyone why you might say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were coming over, you were bringing us bagels. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm really hungry. I just need like a little handful of almonds. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have these Thai chili almonds mm-hmm. from Trader Joe's. Mm. When I got them, I thought Thai chili. Okay. They probably have like some sort of chili spice on them. Yeah. Like a, like a, a kind of a rub or like a coating. A, yes. Yeah, exactly. I poured a few into my hand and I popped them in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And as I was chewing them and swallowing them, I realized I like... I wasn't in the moment when I was pouring them into my hand. I realized that there was a full Thai chili. Oh, man. In my hand. And I was like, oh, I just ate that. And it immediately gave me, it wasn't spicy in my mouth. Yeah. It immediately gave me horrendous heartburn and mm-hmm. a headache. <laughs> and a headache. I don't know what's going on. I also think on. both of my knees are broken. It's true. <laughs> both of my knees are broken. It was the chili, I tell you. No, the headache did happen the moment I started feeling those symptoms. That's terrifying. Yeah. I, I, so I'm I in a bad to, mood. Yeah. I, 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 you should have just lived with the bagel. Dang. Well, I hope you're going to be all right. Today is... Today's a different story. A different story. Mm-hmm. Today's day two of our succession series. Boom. As we were brought in by the, the great theme to succession. Yeah. Casey, today we're talking about the Red Alder. The Red Alder, Alex. So I know nothing about this tree, Casey. I'm it's, so excited about it. It's that. perfect for today. Alnus rubra is the first thing to learn. Of course. Yes, which is very easy. Alnus rubra, Red Alder. Yeah. It's great. It's I would have guessed that probably. Right? It is. It's one of those that is just so, so like, um, it explains itself. Yes. Well, Alex, do you know why this is called the Red Alder? Well, I think you're leading me here. Is it red? No, it's not red. It's not. It is actually technically. Oh, Jesus. It's under the bark. It's uh it's been used as a dye. It's one of those things that the oh. the the wood itself is kind of like a darker a darker bit, like kind of a, an orangish orangish woodish tone. Okay. Uh but the 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 inner bark 
is what uh, is what does it. And for hundreds and thousands of years, people have used it to dye things. Which, funny enough, I knew that this was it, but I never like looked any further mm-hmm. until, of course, doing some research for it. And I was like, oh, look at that. Everyone, like apparently all the native tribes of the area that it's native to, uh, they would use it for doing uh, their hair sometimes. I heard that flathead Indians used to use it sometimes and dye their hair like a fantastic red color. Wow. Which sounds pretty rad. Sweet. Then uh, they would also, um, over here in the Pacific Northwest, they would make nets for catching fish. Hmm. And they would dye the nets with the inner bark of the red alder. I know why. Apparently, why? To make it blend in with the the surrounding soil yeah. at the bottom of the... I suppose so. Yeah. Apparently, it made it like almost invisible. Like yeah. It worked so well that fish were like, what? And they were completely thrown off when they were caught in this net. Yeah, maybe fish Amazing. can't see the color red. Yeah, I suppose. Or like as you're looking through it... Like I, I don't know how good of a how good eyes fish have. Yeah, I assume they're pretty good. The same as we have good eyes in air. I'm sure theirs are like exceptional. I know they're exceptional underwater. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I guess maybe like if, if we're if we're walking and something is like uh, it's like a very light, almost see through color, mm-hmm. then we're gonna walk straight into it and be like, what is this? Like windows and doors and things yeah. like that. So I would think that a fish, it must have some color or maybe it just blends in with the shades as you're looking through the water. I don't know, but it's cool that they figure that out. I think when fish were evolving, they sacrificed clarity for periphery. You know what I mean? Oh, because they are. They have like, it's on either side. Yeah, I don't think they see particularly well. I think they can just see like all around them. Yeah, interesting. We'll have to, we'll have to have a fish person on and tell us more about this. That'd be great. A fish person. I don't know any fish people. Well, there is a, a a business uh, on, on I think Russell and MLK Uh called Fish People. That's right. But I love their, their insignia. It's like, uh, it, it almost looks like a chummy kind of fish mm-hmm. holding a uh, a trident just with two human legs. <laughs> and I just, for whatever reason, I've never questioned what they do. I've just always been approving. What's a reverse centaur called before we get into our first oh, break? What would that be, a reverse centaur? Centaurs, now remind us. A centaur is a horse's body. Yeah. And in place of a head is a human torso. That's right. So this would be a horse head torso on on a human on human a human body yeah, the I guess. front half of a horse on on a human body the bojack yeah, horseman exactly we'll okay. call it a horseman i uh, yeah i think everything could be a horseman the bojack okay. bojack horse because that would that would be the, just the head of the horse on a human body right. i think that makes sense <laughs> yeah although i will have to say i have my brain is imagining two legs kind of centered underneath a like big pill-shaped body of oh, a horse God. with the front of it so just like take four legs and smash them into one nightmarish but there's another movie that has something like that and i can't remember like i feel like it's evolution or something do you remember that movie way back when david Duchovny and julianne moore yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 2001 sci-fi comedy evolution so good do you know the whole premise of that no essentially aliens land and they find them but they the aliens go through like hyper evolution so they start as like this this like slime then all of a sudden the slime becomes an insect then the insect becomes a dinosaur then the dinosaur becomes a giant mammal with teeth and all these things so they have to like save the world from these very highly swiftly evolving things that sounds cool it is it sounds cool although it's not very accurate i have to admit like <laughs> what are the pressures you know in that cave to create insects that can fly well 
the writers probably weren't thinking. I, I don't know if they had uh, natural science consultants on that movie. Well, they should have. They should have. And in fact, Casey, they could have listened to this podcast. They could have. And this particular episode of this podcast is our second in our succession series, which mm-hmm. means the middle. Exactly. Middle succession. succession. Now you say mid. I do say mid. Okay. Yeah. I will call it mid succession so I can blend in with the arborists. And we're talking about mid succession. Yes. Through the eyes of a red alder. Yes. And Alex, I have to say, I read something uh, about this tree mm-hmm. whilst doing the research for this. Yeah. And I think we're going to look at it and redeem it all at the same time. Wow. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Never mind. You that just, was a soft landing, Casey. Yeah, you, you just you just cut all that out. <laughs> cut back to the thing. But we must do so right after a break. We'll be right back with completely arbitrary succession. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Casey, during the five-second break, I heard you mutter, I love everything about this tree. Is this going to reflect in your cone score, <laughs> uh, Mr. No, Clapp? No, you failed to listen uh, or to hear the, the very last thing I said. What'd you say? Uh, kind of. <gasps> wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. There I did was not a pause, hear that. So you, you heard it and you might have been like, oh, and then moved on. Right. And, and then like after that, I was like. I walk of. out of the scene and you turn around and the and the lighting is underneath and you, and you smile and you say, yeah. kind of. Exactly. Cut to break. <gasps> He's up to something. Pretty much what it is. Yeah. I'm up to something uh, today. I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, let's get up to that thing by imagining that you and I are walking through Boy, I should look up where these trees grow ahead of time, shouldn't I? Uh, no, honestly, I love it. I'll take a stab. Okay. The northeast of the United States. Okay. And we come across some red alder. Ah, yes. And you are like, yes, this makes sense. This is where those trees grow. <laughs> 100%. Casey, let's ID uh, this tree. You have it exactly incorrect in terms of the corner. Upper corner, correct. Not the northeastern. It's the, the northwest. All right. You'll find this tree from California, about central California, on the coast, like right on the coast, mm. and then going up 
it expands out and grows all the way over into the the Cascades. Okay. Nair does it reach beyond the Cascades in Oregon or in Washington, but it does have some wild populations that grow in northern Idaho, like Montana and that little section of the world, which is really curious. And a lot of trees grow there that like just skip over the dry areas in between in Mm -hmm. Oregon and Washington. And like the western uh, red cedar is a perfect example. It stays on the coast except for this one little blip right over there in this this nice forested area in Idaho. In that same space. Exactly. Yeah. They it's interesting. It's, they they it's like this little inland mountain range that is probably a remnant from when the these trees grew all over this area. Mm. Uh, and then when the mountains came up and created the rain shadow effect, then everything in the middle did not get enough moisture. So then they just had these two different populations. I see. Uh, as it grows up, it grows all the way up through BC to southeastern Alaska, just barely. Wow. But it never grows more than, you know, about 100 and 130, 140, 100 ish miles in inland at any given point. It's a coastal tree. It really is. The The Cascades are the, the real kind of line. Anything beyond that, other than that one population, mm-hmm. doesn't exist. It's actually a different species of alder has colonized that area. Okay. The white alder. Interesting. So there's a couple different species of alder. I think we've uh, we've already covered one, in fact, on this show, the Andean That's alder. That's right. Which is on this acuminata. Yeah. And the cool thing about the alder, the red alder, is... It's one of the biggest alders, along with the Andean alder and a couple alders from the European Eurasian continent area. They grow to about 100 feet tall. And it's the biggest, one of the biggest broadleaf trees in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. The red alder is a forest tree for the most part. It likes to grow near water, likes to grow generally in kind of very nice, moist, good soil, but also will grow in uh, the exact opposite conditions where it's moist, but then it'll dry out during the kind of dry season. And they will just colonize almost any space in this area if they are around to put the seeds there, they will grow. You know, what's kind of funny is I, I, I think before we started talking about it, I imagine the red alder size wise uh-huh. sort of along the lines of like a birch. Yeah. Like that's, a paper birch or that, something. Yeah. I would say that's pretty, that's not unreasonable. Um, but they do, they, they will outpace the birch for sure. Okay. Yeah. Over time. But yeah, if you give a birch long enough time and like put it in a bit of a forest situation, they kind of, they kind of do the same niche, I'd say. I guess most birches I've seen are like street trees that are Uh, like 20 feet tall. Yeah. They're just not doing very hot. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets pretty good size and it grows very quickly. And as you are walking into a forest of them, the first thing you'll notice is they have this really beautiful gray bark. Hmm. But funny enough, you will notice not the gray bark that will be the background on which is contrasted lichen ah so similar to the the andean alders and a lot of different alders alder trees tend to get a ridiculous amount of moss and lichen growing on their bark less moss more lichen but they get this like very flat um spreading lichen that's very white really often so you a lot of people would say oh alders have white bark they don't They have gray bark, Mm. but 
the lichen is so prevalent all over it that it looks like it's kind of this mottled whitish gray color. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Epiphytes, huh? Exactly. Epiphytes and lichen are just some of the most interesting of all of them. So let's see. So you're also, um, so your first thing you see, like you said, you're walking through a forest of them and you see these tall stems and they have very few branches below, but they have this interesting architecture where it's just one straight uh, stem with other branches that kind of come up at it, not a not an intensely high angle, but mm-hmm. most of their branches come up and outwards. Okay. And you can generally see them very well spaced. Their architecture um, is usually pretty good, but they can tend to uh, grow very quickly. So they don't uh, they don't kind of develop big strong branches over time because they just want to grow as fast as they can and start making uh, babies and taking up space really quickly. So they mm. just kind of go whoosh, shoot up. Their shade intolerant i don't want to say very shade intolerant but they're pretty shade intolerant see this i always get this backwards shade intolerant means that they do not tolerate shade which means if they're in the shade they die yes they are unhappy they're unhealthy okay they need to be and that maybe that's why they grow so fast and tall because they need to get up into the sunlight exactly and if there's a bunch of others growing next to them they have to compete and be like wow get a good guy here and they all have to keep edging their way up to the highest heights okay now once you get to the highest heights you see the leaves they're alternately arranged gorgeous little leaves that are kind of they're another quintessential leaf and especially i think about them like oak is a is a leaf that's very quintessential maple Mm. over here in the united states is another quintessential leaf shape if you go to europe i think that the alder is another quintessential leaf beautiful it looks a lot like the hazel looks a lot like the hornbeam and it has normal simple uh simple leaf shape alternately arranged as i noted Mm -hmm. and it has doubly serrated margins so it has these big serrations with little teeny tiny serrations on each one you know when i was a child casey Mm -hmm. my mother really my mother was a big like arts and crafter Uh she didn't have like a lot of artistic talent but she just loved like just papers and tapes and you know like all the sorts of different Uh stuff and she had so many of these scissors that cut a pattern oh yeah i know those i know exactly what you're talking about like the blade is a zigzag Uh uh-huh yeah and this looks like they were cut out by my mother yeah in a zigzag fashion with these scissors there it's so cute and so sweet and so scrapbooky that is such a good observation yeah that's exactly that's a perfect description Alex. it would look wonderful in a little in a pressed in a little leaf book oh see, i would turn to that page and be like oh that's so sweet we got to get you a leaf book you start pressing some leaves i would honestly love to okay all right yeah sounds good we're gonna make it happen my birthday's coming up oh. <laughs> in 11 wait, months wait, yeah i was like wait a second we have like 360 days Anyway, the other thing to note about these leaves is uh, they're very shiny green on top. You flip them over, and they're very kind of muted green color. Along that bottom muted green color are two attributes that are very much worth noting. One is that the the veins really pop out, so yeah. you can actually feel them, uh, and you can like take your uh, your fingers and like feel the bump 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 of the veins as they are uh, as as you're like moving your fingers across them very embossed exactly it's the exactly perfect term uh, however the other thing to know and this is unique to our red alder at least if you compare it to other alders in our area their margins are revolute <gasps> which is one of my 
favorite terms. I really thought you were going to say revolutionary. Revolutionary. <laughs> they do something that no one else has ever done. What is revolute? Revolute means that the leaf blade at the very end rotates and curls under. You're right. So if you look closely, you can actually see that the leaf kind of almost uh, also like an artistic expression at the very edge of every single bit of that leaf margin, it just goes whoop and like curls just underneath so that it doesn't have like a flat top and bottom. It kind of curls around and is, and is just like a little a little border along the whole thing. What is what is that? It's just how the does it, man. I don't know exactly why. I don't know what the, the benefit is for that, for this tree specifically. It's very charming. It is. It's very charming. And you can tell the difference. The A very closely uh, resembling tree, the white alder, it grows in the same uh, area, but on the east side. And every now and then you can find one growing here in the Willamette Valley because the Willamette Valley also is in a rain shadow and it's a little bit drier during the, uh, during the summertime. So you can find some of these trees growing kind of next to each other in some very specific Mm. spots um and then if you need to tell the difference just look at that leaf the leaf will look almost the same there are some slight differences but if you just want to know straight off the bat just flip that leaf over revolute red if it's not revolute white so the last thing with our little alder here is its adorable little fruit yes you you're familiar i was walking along one day yeah and I was just sort of observing trees. Oh, and beautiful I, Alex. And I noticed a little cone. And from from my six foot two height, mm-hmm. looking at this cone on the ground, I said, oh, it's a little Western hemlock. Uh-huh. And I picked it up and I was like, wait, no, this is not a Western hemlock. But I think this is a cone. But wait, no, this is definitely not a cone. Yeah. What is this? And I texted you a picture of it, and you said, that's an alder cone. That is an alder cone. Yeah. Do we call them cones in the biz? You know, we do. Yeah, we do, but it's not a a technical uh, cone, but it's just like a, it's a casual cone. Everyone says alder cones. Right. Like a... um our Banksia cone. Yes, precisely. Perfect example where it looks like a cone, therefore we call it a cone. Right. Is it like a botanical cone? Not even close. Right. The the cone itself and the flowers, both the male and the female on the tree, are called catkins. Yes. And catkins are essentially long, drooping combinations of many different flowers all along one long, drooping kind of central axis. Big grab bag. Exactly. And then the flower comes out, lets all of its pollen, and then that that one dies. Then the female or the seed catkins, instead of being really long and just kind of like flowers that go and then just, you know, kind of fall away Mm -hmm. like the males, they will slowly but surely get a little bit woodier as the seeds develop. They have little nutlets that are kind of in each individual flower, but the flower, um, as the catkin comes down, it becomes woody which makes you think of a cone, and then it kind of dries and opens up, and then the little nutlets come out. How strange. Yeah, isn't it? So the fruit is a catkin, but a catkin is really just an aggregate of a bunch of little nutlets, which are technically nuts, obviously. Well, Casey... It's a sweet, it's a sweet little tree. It's I say little, little it's not that little. Yeah, it, it, when it begins, it's little, right? Now, when I heard you during the break, yeah, and you said, apparently, you said kinda, yeah. What were you referring to? Let me give you a quick rundown of of its place in succession. Okay. 
So I, as you know, am a fan of conifers. Yes. It does so happen that this tree grows with conifers all over the place. And it's a it's a mid-succession tree. And I guess before we go too far, let's just do a quick recap on what we're talking about. Succession. It's succession. Now, you have early succession, which is complicated the way we're describing it. So when we first talked about early succession, we said there's little teeny tiny trees and shrubs and bushes mm. that start growing up and you get these first trees that start to show up. Last week we used the example of the staghorn sumac That's right. as a quick early succession tree that colonizes new areas and is like, what's up? And kind of pops up. Kind of an herby shrubby phase. Yeah, exactly. Now you could also call early succession when you have these uh, this like trees that grow up and the way I described it is when the real trees show up. Oh boy. That's the alder. The alder is the real tree mm. that first shows up and is like, Hey Sumac, get out of the way. It calls everybody kiddo. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just like, you're a bit of a jerk. You're, yeah. You don't, you don't get a lot of respect and you know what? You don't earn a lot of respect. Wow. That's how the alder kind of, kind of appears on paper mm. from this kind of forester succession kind of idea where the red alder is the an early succession tree in that it will grow and do the same thing as the as the staghorn sumac would do but the big difference is the staghorn sumac kind of grows up and becomes a medium-sized tree and then it gets completely taken over by the next thing that comes in mm. alders will come in and they will colonize new spaces and disturbed land right off the bat. They do it very well. Thousands and thousands of seeds, you know, create thousands and thousands of seedlings. And they'll start growing up. And what makes them good mid-succession species is that they do two things. One, they change all of the characters of the forest underneath them and make it suitable for the next phase, the next uh, cohort of trees and plants and animals to come in and really thrive. What do you mean by change? They will do two things. Three things. The first thing is... Is they, this three things within the first thing? Uh, no, this is answering your question. The first thing they do is... is You said the first thing they do is, is change the... The, th the stuff underneath. Uh-huh. So these are three things they do to change the stuff underneath. Okay, yes, okay. correct. So the three things they do is, namely... They will uh, take advantage and change the resource availability. Mm. So when you first have a new new space, they come in and they will colonize it and they will grow up to, and this was the second thing I was going to say, uh, is they will grow into what we call a closed canopy forest. Hmm. And that is just when you have a forest where you have big, tall trees, you know, stems that are kind of everywhere, and all of their canopies grow together and touch. Yeah, okay. But they're up above you. They're, they're way up high, you know, 40 feet or, or more, something like okay. that. And that closed canopy creates really shady conditions. So now we're going back to the, the three things that they do. <laughs> so they create really shady conditions, but they're not so dense that nothing, that it's like completely dark under mm -hmm. there. If this was Douglas fir, as they grow up and reach this, uh, this closed canopy condition, everything underneath is like a dark, dark, you know, shaded area. Like almost nothing can grow when these are really tightly spaced trees with this closed canopy above. Yeah. 
However, with Red Alder, for whatever reason, they're just like the the kings of dappled sunlight. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You if you look up any like pictures of red alder and you just see like a forest scene, they're always kind of some are growing off over the tops of streams because again they really love streams and wet areas, mm. but they will also grow up where it's not streamed. Where there's no you know specific riparian space. It's just kind of like oh yeah, this is free. I'll, I'll grow here, and then they just kind of colonize in. Okay. So they will grow up, they will make a closed canopy, but they allow a lot of light to come through. So the first thing they change is light availability. Okay. And so it goes from all 100% availability to kind of like 50% availability. So things can't grow quite as fast as they would have if the alders hadn't, you know, shot up and completely taken over the space. They also have this thing that all the rest of the alders have, which is this really beautiful relationship with the bacteria Frankia. Frankia, yes. You Why does it sound this? familiar? Symbiosis. Yes, exactly. We they, talked about uh, what was the tree that w- that was our other alder tree. Oh that shit, was the Indian, the Indian alder. alder. Mm-hmm. So alders love Frankia, and Frankia is that famous uh, root nodule living bacteria that's in the roots of alders, and it fixes nitrogen. Okay. And nitrogen is one of the biggest uh, limiting factors in growth of almost all plants. Limiting. Yeah, because nitrogen is in the air. I think it's like some 80-some percent of the air we breathe, Hmm. but it's locked in the air, and and very few things can actually just take it out of the air and fix it into a usable means in the soil. Hmm. So plants can't do this, but the bacteria can. So this is that endosymbiotic relationship, not quite endosymbiosis in the traditional sense, but this is that symbiotic relationship we talked about with Frankia and the Andean alder a while back. Yeah. So these are, or this is the second thing that really changes the conditions of the soil is that the red alder is growing in these areas that have been disturbed by something. And then now they are adding nitrogen and basically rehabilitating the soil that they're growing on. They are reducing the light. So a lot of these other very intense light requiring species, they will move out. They will either die away or they'll go find a a, a bit on the edge. And then inside the, the forest slowly starts to change and becomes way more fertile for other trees to come in that can be a little bit shade tolerant, like Western red cedar and Western hemlock and Douglas fir these kinds of trees well i recognize those trees yeah i believe are those late succession trees exactly oh, so each six each stage makes way for the next yes precisely when you say um you know when you say that some plants they move away you know yeah. they I, I guess i'm like i'm having a hard time with the timeline mm-hmm. like how long would it take a plant you know colony yeah to completely move out of this shade and find some space on the fringe it would usually take decades things like that oh so that's the kind of thing that red alders do they affect the soil they affect the light and they affect um the the nutrients and the how much sunlight and the whole micro habitat of the entire place that they're growing so because they are um this kind of tree they they do this big transition thing from a a forest that is no longer a disturbed piece of ground to the perfect conditions for the next species of these later succession uh, trees to grow up. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. They sort of come in and they're, they remind me of like an artist uh-huh. that comes in and like revolutionizes the game. Oh, tell me like more. Like a Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I was like, give know? me an example here. Okay. Other people would see these trees not as like a revolutionary that changes the game. They actually see them as weed trees. Uh, and this is the reputation that red alders have. Okay. They, yeah, you know when you when you were talking about how they grow really fast and they don't they don't really put a lot of uh, effort into like standing up straight. Yeah. You know, they just want to like grow. They just go. I was like, this sounds this sounds tree of heaven ish. It is. It it's a little bit like that. Luckily, they are not like wildly uh, invasive anywhere, yeah. so that's at least nice. Okay. Um, but they do grow in that similar kind of early succession habit where they just like. Boom, go. All the sunlight in the world, we're going to grow up. Soon as the sunlight is kind of wanes because of another tree coming over or something else, then they start to perish and then their population moves out. But they also, because they, they take this mid-succession area before the, uh, the, the big conifers that are the value trees, if you're a, say, forester, before those trees come in, the red alder has this middle section that, you know, they play their role rehabbing the soil, creating the perfect conditions mm. for then this next succession to come in. The thing is, if you're a forester, then you're just fighting against these trees trying to plant or grow your conifers, and they essentially try to skip that middle phase. Wow, we were talking about them skipping the first phase. They try to skip both first the first two phases. They try to they essentially would make a they want to have the the mid succession happen uh, with say a Douglas fir or a ponderosa pine. They mm. don't they don't want to have the other species coming in and, and wrecking havoc, wreaking havoc, whatever kind of havoc they do. Yeah, they want to just go straight from forest A, cut down, get the resource. Now plant back forest B and let that let that grow. But the conditions for forest B are usually historically, meaning like for the last several million years. Forest B comes in under the wake, under the tutelage of forest mid-succession. Right. So they're trying to force it. And then as soon as you open up this you know, new space, all of a sudden these alders show up and everyone's like, ah, get out of here, alder. You're just causing trouble. I want my Douglas fir to grow. Yeah. And then their Douglas fir doesn't grow near as fast. It takes its time because it's growing wherever there's a little bit of light. It's not going to be a perfectly... Uh, a homogenous forest where everything's planted exactly 10 or 20 feet apart or something. It's like wherever there's the right situation, the right tree is going to grow there. Mm -hmm. The red alder is going to be doing its thing. It's going to be rehabbing the soil for 80, you know, a hundred years. Wow. While the Douglas fir is reaping the benefits. So after a hundred years, when this Douglas fir is in a juvenile, it is just like, crushing it in the best soil you can ever get when the alder dies it decays really quickly so you can get new resources coming back into the soil they're full of nitrogen in their leaves they in fact drop their leaves green really often because they're like eh, i don't really care I, I can get this all the time like interesting build nitrogen just because this it's like what they do wow so they're weed trees because they're really good at growing in the place that you want another tree to grow. So they're they're considered weed trees, yeah. but they do they have a lot of benefits to 
the land where the money trees grow. Exactly. So are they really weed trees? Well, isn't that a good question, Alex? (laughs) I read the click up. (laughs) That leads us to what what this book that I've been uh, perusing through over the last couple weeks, um, which is called Northwest Trees. Yes, beautiful book. It really is. And they have a lot of really good um, artistry in it and some like big, intense um, descriptions of all the trees that we have growing here in the Pacific Northwest Mm. by Steve. Stephen F. Arno and Ramona P. Hammerly. Those are made-up names, Casey. They, I know. They, it's, it's <laughs> Casey's someone, imaginary it's friends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, this poor, uh, this poor tree has been vilified for so long mm. that you're just like, well, is there any redeeming qualities for it? And it turns out there is. Wow, Alex. let's hear it. Well, they called it the Cinderella tree. Okay. They said that this, in fact, is a Cinderella tree uh, considered more and more so by foresters and other people in the area because it does several different things. First, it grows very quickly and very well. Because it's one of the biggest, it is actually a very useful timber species. Sure. It has wood that takes uh, stain really well, has very generally straight grain. It's not, you know, worth a damn for like, you know, rot resistance, but if you make a chair out of it or some kind of thing that's going to be inside that you don't, you know, need to worry about being a decay resistant thing, yeah. then it's going to be just fine. You know, it's not going to decay if it's in a nice, dry, warm house. Sure. It also has been known for thousands of years by the native peoples to be the best firewood for smoking salmon. Wow. And that's because it has like this nice oily kind of smoke that comes up. Okay. And it burns very, very consistently mm. and it's not crackly. So traditional uses for the wood to burn very high, along with the inner bark being used for, you know, all the dyeing and everything right. like that. Then on top of all this, the because it's so big, you can actually use it for a saw size lumber because it's it's a big tree. It's mm. one of the biggest alders in the entire world. It's the biggest in North America. And on top of all this, it rehabs the soil, yeah. which nobody has like given two shits about for the last several hundred years. Like we have to fight to say in the forestry sector, pay attention to the soil, pay attention to the soil, pay attention to the soil. And it's the same thing in the urban forest. No one thinks about the soil. They're like, yeah, just plant a tree. And you look at the soil, you're like, that is like the most dead, compacted, awful stuff. That You can't even call that soil anymore. Mm. So in the forestry sector, the soils still get damaged significantly. I've been to a site where they cut off all the trees, then they put a fire through to kill everything else that was there. Whatever sprouted back, they then came through and killed with pesticide. Then they replanted. Jeez, man. And they replanted with Douglas fir. So they've killed all the other living things uh, that would help build a forest or build the soil to create a forest, and then they regrow their trees. And their trees technically get off to a good start. They're mm-hmm. growing quickly because there's literally nothing competing with them. Yeah. But Suzanne Samard is like, well, if you leave the alders, the alders actually rehab the soil. So if you give it enough time, then the new trees, the harvestable trees, actually grow quicker and more healthier over time. Okay. So if you wait 80 years, you get a really good result of a very healthy tree. And also you get the, the nice... Um, the nice side effect of having a great forest ecosystem, like 
completely where you have understory and midstory and all these other different complexities that happen with a, a longer, older forest. Yeah, you're going to be waiting anyway. You might as well invest a little and and not have to wait as long. I wish that that was the case, Alex, but they're trying to make it faster and faster and faster. How do you make a tree grow faster? Oh, that, my friend, is called tree improvement. Oh, my God. Yeah, isn't that great? Okay. It's like a good tree among trees, yeah. and it's a good tree... In the trade, yeah, too. Exactly. It's, so it's it's one of these these things where I, I like the term Cinderella tree. Yeah. Where that's good. everyone has hated it and it's been like wearing rags this entire life and just now people are like, I'm gonna put you in this pumpkin and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to a ball. And if you dig this into the soil beneath its roots, you will find shards of glass. Yes, so be careful. <laughs> Casey, I think this is a great time to get into our review of this traditionally reviled tree i think it's very fair although maybe modernly appreciated ah a modern classic (laughs) but first we gotta take a break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary succession Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary Succession. We're talking mid-succession today and the Red Alder. It is time for our review thereof. Yes. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree, then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden acquisitions of honor. Mm, I forgot we did that. (laughs) Casey, as our resident tree improver, we'll begin with you. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the opportunity. But you have to do the... Is that good? Is that good? Yeah. All right, thanks. Timber Allen, huh? Timber Allen, that's me. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. So the red alder... The the tree I think is is a gorgeous tree. Like I I like the bark. I think it looks really good. I like all the modeledness to it. Yeah. Um. The leaves are though cool. They're 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 so many all the time, where they're just kind of boring now. Whenever I see a red alder, sure. I'm just like, ugh, another red alder. Okay. Yeah. It's they're they're not a dime a dozen. They're a, a dime ten thousand. It's like if you went out to a fancy like a really nice meal every night uh-huh. you would eventually crave home cooking. Yeah you'd be like it's oh like god. Too another, much of a good yeah. thing. Another Michelin star? I'm right. over it. <laughs> I've had ten this week. Yeah exactly. It's just not it's not uh, you, you get you get numb to the uniqueness of it. Sure. You know. I think that's where I'm at with the Red Alder. Mm. I dig what it does and I, I dig the entire um, ecosystem and I especially love seeing them in like this mid transition where you have big Douglas fir and they're crushing it and you have like these ancient alders that are like falling apart that Mm. you're just like whoa you have so much decay how are you still standing like you're you have the tiniest little bit of crown that's you know almost going to be shaded out like next week by all the other big trees growing around yeah and i just i love that effect i love seeing the the whole transition but i have to also say when i'm driving through an area and i see that like 
just a stand of alders everywhere. I'm just like, ugh. Enough. Enough alder. I don't need you anymore. Yeah. And architecturally speaking, they're a fine tree. They don't do anything. Like they have they have the ability to look like a beech tree, but they just don't they just don't have the class to get to a beech tree. It's like an old west town when they build an old west town for a movie. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. just a big plywood front. It's just a front. That's yeah. see a beach would be a real home, like exactly. a real set. That's a real thing. And the 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 alder here you could just push over. A strong wind could take it down. Yeah. Oh, and it does often. I'm actually. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they're 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 wonderful trees. I love the niche that they fill. Um, but like I have to say, I would also much prefer to see a big, beautiful forest of conifers. Sure. However, to the credit of the alder, I would not like to see the same density of Douglas fir that I would see with a normal alder forest kind of growing around. So, all that to say, I got to give the alder like a 6.6. Yeah. It's just, it's fine. It does really great stuff. Should you plant it? No. It will do it itself. (laughs) So, yeah, I have to go 6.6. They're just okay. Plant it sparingly. And if you can think of a better tree, it's probably a better tree. There you go. That's what I think. 6.6 for the red alder from... Dendrologist Casey Clapp. Mm-hmm. Now, Alex, as our other resident tree improver improver, mm-hmm. what do you think? Oh, I improve the improvers? Yes, exactly. Who improves the improvers? Here's my thoughts on the red alder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have much experience, I don't think, with it in person. I'm sure I've mm-hmm. seen it a million times, just not realized. Mm-hmm. But from what I hear, I like the Cinderella thing. I like that it's I like any tree that like for the longest time everybody hated it and then you know people with an with an eye on real like ecological uh improvement mm-hmm. and environmentalism are like wait actually it's doing a lot of good mm-hmm. you just don't like it cuz it's cutting profits right yeah pretty much i like that i like it's and it and it you know what it fights against the man and i really appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> There you go. This is a this is a tree who believes to its core that all cops are bastards. Oh wow. And I give it a 7.0. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. This is this is like a an activist tree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That uh, chains itself to other trees. It does. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. That yeah, way, okay. 7.0. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Yeah. That was uh, our review. Of the Red Alder. Casey. Alex. That's what I've been waiting for the whole episode. It's time for a game. All right, let's get it done. I've never played this game before, I don't think. This this is a brand new game made specifically for this episode. This succession episode. Okay. I'm calling this one Slogan Roy. PR is everything. You and I are partners at the world's first political PR firm for trees. Croson and Clap. Croson and Clap. We need a, isn't there like usually something else like, and, and co or like, right. and associates. And sons. Yes, there you go. And sons. Croson, Clap, and sons. <laughs> um, our clients range from little streamside shrubs. Mm-hmm to the giants of the forest. Oh my God, I would love to work at this firm. (laughs) You and I are going to choose campaign slogans. Oh God. For several species of tree. Okay. 
they here's what they need to accomplish, just like mm-hmm. any campaign slogan. They need to be catchy. Okay. They need to be quick and repeatable. Ah, uh, yeah. They need to tell a little something about the candidate. Okay. And they need to bonus points I'll say if they have some sort of alliteration or rhyme ooh okay let's do it let's try it out alright slogan Roy is open for business alright I, I guess Croson and Clappin Sons is open for thank business thank you okay yeah well what's our what's our first tree <sighs> let me just pull up my email here yeah uh, yeah who's uh, who's who's coming in today oh boy uh oh it's uh Mr. Fur Douglas Douglas Fur Douglas Fur Honestly sometimes my job does itself <laughs> Douglas Fur is running for office Casey All right so we need to get Douglas Fur elected to office That's right Well what is likable about the Douglas Fur They are What can we focus on You know what they're they're a tree of the people Everyone knows Douglas Fir. True, it has uh, it has it has name recognition. Power. Exactly, it does. Yeah. It has name recognition. It's also a giant of the industry. Yes, it, it has its bona fides. It can grow anywhere, light, dark, more light than dark, and east, west, dry, wet. I've got an I've got a logo idea. Okay, yeah, Maybe this could get things going. Okay, yeah, let's try it. Just Douglas in all caps. Okay. Big tall letters. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Thick letters. Mm-hmm. Douglas. Yeah. In kind of a forest green. Yeah. Honestly, first thing that comes to my mind is just for sure. But that's that might not be good enough. Douglas for sure. Yeah. Douglas for sure. I'm afraid that people. I like. I like it. Okay. But here's what I would do if I were actually mm-hmm. if I actually had this job. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that people. Wait, 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 wait. What are you, what are you saying? I, we pay your checks. Oh, I what haven't been receiving those. Oh, God, okay, you, let us know. I would, I would, I would say, sure is sort of like, huh, kind of uh, shoulder shruggy. I yeah, see, I'll take I him. See, sure, he's Maybe. a fine candidate. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Hmm. Douglas Fur President. Yeah, Douglas <laughs> Fur President. <laughs> I guess it depends on what he's running uh, for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ooh, I would say maybe Douglas for the win. That's very good. I'm going to send it off to our client and see what they think, Ace. Yes. All right. There we go. For I feel good the about win. this. Douglas, for the win. That's great. Let me see who's next here. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, there's our first million made. Yeah. You're welcome, world. Please I, vote, Douglas. I do hope for, he wins. I do, too. I really do. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh-huh. Next, mm-hmm. across our table here, Yeah. is, I would say, a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, come November, if it's a fan favorite, then yeah, our job should be fairly simple. Well, it's the paper birch. Oh, the paper birch. Yeah. Well, she's a tough cookie. Oh yeah. So Ooh. the paper birch. The paper birch. Uh, paper. Ubiquitous species. Yeah. Grows across the north, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we can work with that as a, as a northern kind of species. Okay. Lean heavily into its its folksy background. Yeah. Also very tough. It's very cold up yeah, there. Yeah, you know? that's right. You don't have to, you don't have to think too, too much about is this tree not able to take the heat. Yes. You know? Although don't get it too hot. It'll light on fire. It, like yeah, very true. Most yeah. trees. Exactly. And it's actually very good at lighting on fire. Let's see. What else? I mean, obviously it's beautiful. Like uh, yeah. the tree itself. She's just got, she's got the she's got the the flair to just show up on on your screen and have everyone be like oh sure and then you realize it's a political candidate we don't want to objectify her though no 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 no. well you got to have a picture of your candidate though yeah and it just so happens 
Yeah. We can't help that she's beautiful. Can't help that she's beautiful. What are All we right. supposed to do here? All right. Okay. So, so paper birch. Hmm. How about something about I like I like I like leaning to this into this angle of um the north. Yeah. Like she's tough. Okay. She's from the she's from where she's from the place where most trees don't have the roots mm, to grow. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong roots. Or how about this? It's cool to be hot. <laughs> it's cool to be hot. It's hot to be cool. How about this? Winter is coming. She'll be there. Oh, Alex, that's so good. Winter is coming and she'll be there. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think that's pretty good. Paid for by the Purpin Bergman. Yeah. <laughs> we do have to think of uh, if that would be, um, if uh, if we would get sued for copyright infringement saying uh, winter is coming. Yeah. Well, I, I happen to know that George R. R. Martin supports Paper Birch's campaign. Oh, that's In fact, so he's a good. donor. So. He is a donor. Okay, yeah. good. Excellent. All right, perfect. I think that's a good one. I, I like that quite a bit. All right. Winter is coming. Winter is She'll coming. Be, there. be there. Let us know what you think by next week. We'll talk chat soon. Croson and Cloud says. Okay, sent. Wow. Uh, next one in our inbox. Oh, just came in. Okay. Oh, okay. God. Alex, what is this? Him again. It's our least favorite client, Casey. Ah, it's the tree of heaven, isn't it? Yeah. We can say no, Alex. We already we signed the contract. The interest. <laughs> no. All right. All right. No, he might be a scuzz bag, but boy, does he pay well, Casey. The yeah, tree of heaven. That is very fair. Someone's got to do this job. Uh, we want that paycheck. Okay. So, the tree of heaven. First off, an immigrant. So, I think it's good It's good to realize this and say, hey, you know what? Where where did the tree of heaven grow up? That's right. Vagabond. It's explored the world. It has lived in almost every place. It's in every man's tree. Yes. You know, it would grow in the hardest places that you could ever even imagine a tree growing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you could be like, ah, get out of here. Other times you'd be like, honestly, stay. You're the only thing that'll do it. So, yeah. I think that the tree of heaven grows where no other tree goes. Where no tree has grown before. Yeah, something like that. Okay. What do you think? It's also great word of mouth. Wait, what was the one you said? Uh, Grows where no tree will go. Grows where no trees... How about grows where no trees go? Or goes where... Fuck. Grows... Get it up on the whiteboard. Come on. And more coffee. Our assistants are the worst. Grows where... Goes where no tree grows. Yes. Is that it? I think that's it. Goes where no tree grows. Goes where no trees grow. <laughs> grow goes where no tree. I think maybe it's, goes where no tree will grow. Goes where no tree will grow. Yeah. Goes where no tree will grow. Yeah. Do you think that's? Do you think that's a, a good one though? It does have a little bit of like a. It's like, a bit of a mouthful. It'll go there. But then again, I mean, honestly, I have to say, to get this candidate elected, I, I have to say, we need to go like a little bit of a Trumpian style here. Should we attack? I think not necessarily attack, but we should just steer into. I'm there. I'm growing everywhere. I see. Into so, its negative attributes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, that's how boy. Trump did it. He he, he grabbed his... Uh, his I, I'm not going to make that joke. Okay. Yeah. He said, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm a piece... Yeah, it's true. Exactly. So maybe that can just be our, our slogan. Okay. Tree of heaven. I'm a bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> how about... Um, 
in in something about its invasiveness. Ooh, like you're not gonna like me, but I'll get it done. Hey. Oh God! <laughs> I will take these slings and arrows. Uh, Fucking <laughs> something about maybe something about yeah. It's it just it it it's gonna get in there and grow. Yeah, mm. we've got a ways to grow. Ah, uh, we mm, we got a ways to grow. Make growing great again. No, we can't go there. <laughs> Not even ironically. Not even for the tree of heaven. No, it's better than that. <laughs> Okay, all right. Uh, Boy, this is a tricky one. It's, um, I think it's. I think we land on go where no trees grow. And then heaven. <laughs> oh. Just a big heaven 2025. Or that more. would be so good. Yeah. Heaven. We'll go. And now you think that they're going like all trees go to heaven kind of thing. It's a suicide cult. <laughs> that sounds horrific. All right. Uh, all trees, all trees go to heaven. All, all trees go to heaven. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Alex. Why are you That's great. <sighs> all trees. Sorry, all, I scared you. All trees want to be heaven. All trees. All Casey, trees go I think you heaven. have it. You think that's it? All trees go to heaven. All good trees go to heaven. All. Go- oh, that's like kind of a warning to its competitors. Mm-hmm. Like you better be good. All yeah. good trees go to heaven. Yeah, and also if you're uh, if you are good, you get to come to me. If you're bad, how about all good trees vote for heaven? Oh, all good trees vote for heaven. <laughs> I think that I think that works. All right, maybe we'll just spitball a couple of those over. I'm gonna to him. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out here. Hey Frank, let us know which of these work. All trees go to heaven. Let us know. Chat soon. Okay, Casey. You know, I think it's time for a smoke break. <laughs> I think it sure is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did that just become like a, a madman kind of thing? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's good. It's time for a smoke break, and I'm gonna go sleep with my assistant, and have some scotch. <laughs> Casey, that was slogan Roy. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A this week. Our questions from Tegan. Hello, Tegan. Hi, Tegan. From the Patreon. I planted a new white spruce tree last Ooh. summer, says Tegan. I understand. And it is currently buried in snow. Oh. My husband and I have been debating whether we need to unbury it. Okay. He says that the snow will help insulate it as mm-hmm. we head into our super cold temps. We're in Alaska mm. and our coldest months are January and February. Yeah. Okay. I think it could still probably use a little sunlight even though it is in its winter dormant state. Mm-hmm. How do we care for small trees when they have more than normal snowfall? This is a great question. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Thank you, Tegan. Well, hello, Tegan, and those of you in Alaska. This is a good question, Alex. Ahoy! That's what I, you say to people in Alaska. Yeah, it's a traditional greeting of mm-hmm. Alaska. I, I have to say I agree with her husband. That it needs insulation. It needs insulation. The insulation is the right move here. Now, here's why. The the tree itself is is mostly dormant, but the thing about evergreens is that when conditions are acceptable, they will start doing a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. But one of the important factors in doing that work is water. And if the ground itself is frozen, then that tree can't pull water up through its roots and then do photosynthesis and respiration the way it normally do, yeah. normally would. So, 
if you were to uncover the tree and let it get some sunlight, then the tree itself will be a little bit warm and be pretty stoked, but it will probably remain 100% dormant if the soil is really, really cold and it can't actively suck up water. Right, because it needs both of those things. Yeah, exactly. And given just one, it can't do its job. Precisely, and it will just say, cool, I'm just going to stay here until I can get more water. The other thing is that the insulation of the snow, as uh, snow will insulate things, uh, it's very famous for like people who are really cold in their lost out mm. in the deep forest snows everywhere if there's enough snow that you can actually dig like a little snow cave then you'll actually keep way warmer inside that than you would if you were outside of the snow cave sure because it tends to insulate same thing with like igloos and that kind of thing yeah. you know so the tree will overall be a little bit warmer underneath the snow because it'll be a little bit warmer underneath the snow it will have a better chance of essentially just surviving because if it gets really, really cold, like I was reading something uh, or we were talking about it potentially. Um, no, I was talking with a friend and in Saskatchewan, their temperatures sometimes drop to like negative 40 degrees mm. and all the trees die. Like everything above ground just kind of dies because wow. it gets way too cold. So if those things were covered by snow, they probably wouldn't die because they would have a little, ins- a little bit of insulation. Sure. So the thing that I would say is that in, when spring comes and you start to get warmer temperatures the ground starts to thaw just a little bit then take and dig out that tree so that it can get a jump start as soon as everything gets good it'll be ready to go it won't have to wait for all the snow to melt around it in order for it to finally get some light Oh, okay. So when the good temperatures come around, give it a give it a hand and just dig it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in the meantime, keep it covered. Yeah, and the other thing is, if the the snow has fallen all around it, um, often as the snow kind of melts, it kind of gets icy and solidifies a little bit, mm. and it will pancake the uh, all the needles and branches in between kind of layers of snow, so that if you did try to pull it out and and like dig it up and free the branches, if it's all just powdery snow, then you can just kind of go ta 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 kind of knock it off Mm -hmm. but if it's melted a little bit or it's done a freeze thaw kind of melt then sometimes you can actually get the the branches and the leaves like literally stuck in the snow as if it's like um like a pressed thing in between layers of you know you know snow i guess yeah snow and ice so then ripping it out will actually damage the tree and rip off some of the leaves and that Uh. kind of thing so depending on the situation i would say just leave it and also it's a tree that's going to have to deal with this for the rest of its life so you want to make sure that the tree does not have uh false expectations of what life's going to be like in alaska sure yeah so to speak (laughs) thank you tegan for your question if you have a question for us, join the Patreon at $3 a month. Mm-hmm. The question and answer, Q&A, Quercus and Alder tier. I any of those. Or the Arboretum at 5 bucks a month. You get two bonus episodes about other related topics and trees in a separate podcast feed. I believe you can also combine that RSS feed with yes. the normal arbitrary RSS feed. That is correct. So they okay. would pop up bloom 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 bloom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. with along with your Thursday show, you get two bonus episodes a month. Exactly. Above that, the coveted cone of the month club. Every month you receive a die cut cone sticker illustrated by a different artist every month and a different species sent to your mailbox 
with a little info card. Above that is Arbitrary Plus, the live stream tier. You can watch two live streams of us a month, one with Casey and I, where we talk about a host of things and interact with us in the chat, and one with me playing a tree or nature-themed video game. It's all very cozy and fun. Mm -hmm. And of course, at the very tip-top case, the king of the tiers... Or the queen of the tears. Exactly. The monarch of the tears. The monarch of the tears. Yes. Generous admission. It's $20 or up. You can choose what you want to give us. It's just an extra way to say uh, thanks for making the pod. And we use that. All that money goes right back into the show. Mm-hmm. That's right. Casey Clap. Alex Crossing. This is another another great episode. Yeah. I had a nice time. You've got a you got a, a bit of a smirk on your face. What's oh. what are you thinking about over there? Uh, nothing. I guess it was uh, just smiling. Okay. Like the episode. Yeah. Like, I didn't mean to interrogate you oh, about your yeah. smile. What the hell's going on over there, mister? It, it's okay that you're happy. Yeah, sometimes it's nice. It's In nice fact, to, it's encouraged. It's nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks, Case. Yeah. It's nice to talk to you, too. Ah, oh, shucks. And it's nice for you to listen, dear listener. Dear listener. Thank you for listening to this one, and we will see you next time. Uh, bye-bye. Au revoir. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Succession original soundtrack by Nicholas Bertel. To support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And for additional readings, go to arbitrarypod.com. Thanks for listening.